Hello, everybody, and welcome to Doing Time, where humans talk about their experiences in a psych ward. Today, we have guest New York comedian Sam Evans. Sam discusses his early and late experiences in therapy and what led him to trusting therapy. We discuss how social media plays a huge role in comedy and how it impacts mental health. Um, Sam also discusses how being a yes man eventually ended up hurting him down the road, and I think everyone can really relate to this and many other topics that we discuss on the episode, so please enjoy the podcast. Sam, how are you? I'm good. Hello, Drew. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks. Um, so Sam is a New York comic and wanted to talk about mental health today, obviously. But the first question I always ask on the podcast is how much time have you done? And that could be psych ward, therapy, episodes. Uh, we were just talking about seasonal depression. So that could be time too. Um, whatever, you know, you consider that to be. Um, oh, so, yeah. man. <laughs> seasonal depression counts as time yeah i mean yeah i think anything that's like you're stuck in your head is like doing time because you're not like experiencing life you know sure <laughs> well see seasonal depression will count years because i'll say it's a solid three months every year probably since i was like in middle school wow um and then therapy I am coming up on a year with my current therapist now. We're very excited. We're going to do dinner. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I did therapy probably for about a year, uh, four or five years ago as well. And then I was in therapy for a year or two in high school. Yeah. Okay. So probably like about four years of therapy altogether throughout my life. Yeah, yeah. So on and off. So when you started therapy, was there something that prompted it, I'm assuming? Yeah, it was a mixture of things. I was, uh, I just always like struggled in high school academically and stuff like that. And I was, um, it was sort of up for debate in my household of like maybe I was uh, attention deficit or maybe ADHD. Mm -hmm. And I think also a little depressed. So I started uh, going to a couple different therapists in high school. And um, I don't know if all of that was true, but I definitely. I had a really positive experience with one of the therapists, this guy named Gene, mm -hmm. uh, who it just sort of made me trust in therapy throughout uh, most of my life. Well, that's good. Um, I feel like sometimes people's yeah. first experience is not mm -hmm. that great in, in when they're younger, just because it's harder to, I guess, admit things sure. or know why you're in therapy when you're younger. But so you were, I feel like that's also super common for comedians to like, struggle academically or have ADHD um mm -hmm. do you think that you had ADHD or what was like what were like the symptoms of that I guess uh I don't think I had ADHD but it definitely was uh paying attention was hard but I think it's always been hard for me to tell because I can focus on some things um and uh 
when I was a kid, it was hard to tell if I was really not paying attention or if I was just maybe lazy. And I do think there was a good degree of like laziness, academic, yeah. you know. Oh, totally. And I just knew yeah. I could, I knew I could get away with not doing a lot of shit in school. Yeah. Uh, no, completely. And then, yeah. And now it's hard to tell in adulthood. You know, uh, it's it feels like we're all attention deficit just because of the technology. You know. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, TikTok. It's like your attention span is like less than a minute. It's crazy. For sure. Yeah. I don't know if you have this where you just struggle to sit through a movie these days, and you're like, "What it's is very wrong hard. with me?" Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's also a test too, like when it's hard cuz sometimes it is easier and I realize when it is easier, I'm not on my phone as much in that mm, period of sure. time or I'm like more disconnected, but sometimes it is super hard. But um I I don't when I I got diagnosed with ADHD when I was like in 6th grade and I don't mm. I actually don't think I have it. I think it's more anxiety that distracts me if that makes sense, yes. like my thoughts and stuff like that. But it is common much, with people yeah. with ADHD to like only be interested in the things that, or only focus on the things that you're interested in. And if you are interested in it, you tend to hyper-focus on those things. And then the rest of the things that you're not interested in, it's like very, very hard to focus yeah, on. Yeah, becomes gibber- becomes gibberish, certainly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I do identify with that as well, though. The uh, It's trouble, you know, something that gives you anxiety. It's like, well, I'm not going to tune into this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm going to uh, try to put it out of my brain because it hurts. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so what was your experience like in therapy when you first went in high school? I had I uh, prior to going to that guy, Gene, I had a, a, a sort of negative experience with a therapist where she uh, and in truth, in retrospect, I think that she actually just had like a pretty accurate diagnosis of like. Uh, my family life, which was not unhappy or bad, but it was mm-hmm. just, you know, not without its problems. Right. And I had this thing. She sort of just told me what she felt from, like, talking to my parents and me. And and I think just made sort of a frank diagnosis. And it caught me off guard. And I remember uh, weeping to my mom afterwards because I was so upset. And she was like, well, we'll never go back to her again. Um Wow. Uh, which I th- yeah, which I think was like very sw- uh, like well-meaning on my mom's part, but it was actually like, oh no, I think that lady was right. I just wasn't mm. ready to hear certain things. Yeah. Um, and then we went to another therapist, and uh, he was also very good, but I think a little more uh, gentle, maybe, and better with kids, or certainly better with me. Mm. And uh, it was great. I don't even. I always before I sort of grew into adulthood and had like adult experiences in therapy, I was like, I don't know if I necessarily needed therapy when I was a kid, but it definitely just helped. I was like 15 to 17 and just talking to this guy about, you know, every normal anxiety that comes up in Mm -hmm. your life. Uh, and it just makes a world of difference. I mean, what what kid doesn't need that, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's, I, I find it interesting, too, how, like, you said that your second therapist that you vibed with more was um, more gentle with you. And I think sometimes, too, like, even if he says, like, a diagnosis or something about your family life that you're not really willing to process or ready to hear, it's almost, like, easier to process it, though, because he's just better at dealing with you personally. So I Mm -hmm. feel like that could have, you know, given you, like, a more positive you know, aspect or view on therapy. Cause I think, 
I've had my fair share of like bad therapists um like in college for me that was like when it got bad because I like was away from home so I didn't have my normal therapist to go to and like at that time like we couldn't really do telehealth or whatever and uh I think that the ones that I really vibed with like if they said something harsh to me I was more willing to process it because I knew that it was coming with good intentions really so that's yeah for you uh, a bit a bit more direct works well yeah, I think I think direct works well with me um, if I'm in a more calm state. I think if I'm in like a really heightened state of anxiety where I'm just like venting and venting and venting and then somebody says like the truth, I'm like, yeah. it's it adds to my anxiety. But if I'm in a calm state and, and more, I guess, willing to be open to hear things, then I'm like, oh, no, this is actually something that can help me grow. And I, I guess I'm willing to be more introspective versus um being in a really heightened state and then someone telling the truth versus just like sympathizing with me certainly yeah i guess it's like a parallel uh to stand up really where it's just like a, yeah. a therapist that can that can read the room and yeah. tell what sort of mood you're in to be receptive to maybe some frank but helpful advice you know yeah exactly yeah. um and then so you went to it wasn't like a school counselor though was it no it was um just someone it was actually recommended because my my parents uh my dad was like a doctor and my mom was an er nurse so they had a lot of friends so they knew our uh pediatricians they were like family friends and they would just give us recommendations on like good uh like uh, child therapists that they had uh been recommended over the years or recommended people to and yeah so it was just that's really helpful for sure yeah and it felt comforting to uh, have yeah. somebody be like, no, this person's good. You can talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, so when did you like stop going to therapy and then when did you start again? Uh, I stopped um, probably into my senior year of high school because um, I think things were sort of doing much better. I had kind of like, I figured out how to function academically in school and just, uh, I think without without knowing what we were doing uh, in therapy at the time, we were processing a lot of anxiety, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and then I didn't go again until I was um, 30, I think. I had, uh, yeah, I had a bit of a, I won't say breakdown, but just like some really bad... A, a bad succession of like weeks and stuff where I was struggling yeah. emotionally. And then one day I sort of broke down emotionally to a friend and uh, he was very gently like, you know, I think that you really need to think about talking to somebody. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I did that time I did uh, phone therapy. Better help is the company. It's a great company. I recommend it. to Oh anyone. yeah. I have, I have heard of that. They're like a lot of sponsors. I feel like they sponsor a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, so, I, I mean, my podcast is very open in terms of, like, if you don't want to talk about something, you don't have to, and if you want to, feel free, mm-hmm. um, but, like, what prompted the break breakdown that you were having, or, like, did you get a diagnosis after, or, like, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, I think it was a calm, like, I can absolutely talk about the specific event that led to me uh, sort of having that breakdown, but I do think it was like mm-hmm. a culmination of, um, 
you know, one of my favorite jokes uh the guy jordan temple has a joke about uh the verse in the bible jesus wept and he's like it's yeah. so sad because it's like shouldn't it be like jesus wept so i talked to him and asked him what's wrong and then <laughs> and then he goes and jesus was like it's not one big thing it's a lot of little things you know which is just oh, it's so true it's so yeah good. yeah yeah and it very much felt like that um but yeah. the actual specific thing was i had a really close friend um a uh uh, a former roommate who was getting married and um i want i was supposed to go to his wedding and i was in this tight bind where i was so broke then and Mm -hmm. i could i couldn't afford a plane ticket and i was waiting on like a couple different paychecks from like odd jobs to sort of afford Mm -hmm. like a last minute ticket and it Mm -hmm. came down to the wire and i couldn't go i had to cancel on my friend's wedding Mm -hmm. and then i was just talking to and i it it was like a repetitive pattern that I would have with people where I would just say yes to anything because, uh, yeah. because I, I, I'm a yes person and I, if I love you, I want to do anything for you. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know, giving you bad news well ahead of time, I will wait until the absolute last second. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it comes from a place of good intentions, but it's like, oh, that's a bad uh, pattern of behavior <laughs> that... Right. I would repeat ad nauseum. And, uh, and that was the time where it was just like higher stakes. My friend was very hurt, you know, and I, I felt so like ashamed and disappointed in myself. And then yeah. I remember like just talking to my other friend. Uh, and before I knew it, I was just like weeping. And I was like, I fucking hate myself. And I don't know why I am the way that I am. Um, yeah. You know, and it just a ultimately a good moment but certainly a low point and he was you know just very gently like it's okay you aren't you aren't the bad person that you think you are but you it does mm-hmm. seem like you need to uh start to do some um introspection and uh yeah maybe, ta- maybe talk to somebody yeah yeah i think it's too like those breakdowns and stuff it's not just about like simply like oh i can't make my friend's wedding it's like why do i say yes to these things and why you know like can't I you know like get my shit together so to speak Mm -hmm. um to like you know support or whatever you know whatever your intention is with your close friend like I think to like missing out on those things too is like it's yeah and then you're like I'm hurting this person and but not intentionally you know and I think and I have a lot of friends too that like um have that issue of saying yes to things but they don't realize that saying yes is actually bad because then in the long run the other person is like waiting on you Uh, and yeah then you know and then when you don't show up so i can only imagine to like how rough that is because i think saying no is i think it's i don't know if like this is how you feel but it's seen as like you're letting them down when in reality like saying no earlier is probably like the right thing to do just like knowing your priorities and things like that absolutely yeah and it's the you know even if you are letting them down it's uh what is it my old boss told me and it like i hate you ever have like somebody say like a perfect quote and you're like ugh, i hate that i'm the person that is just having their life changed by a quote (laughs) but uh yeah he was he was like uh bad news bad news isn't wine it doesn't get better with age you know it's just Mm, yeah yeah maybe you will let somebody down but better to do it and they can adjust uh then right right versus like last minute Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and then, so you, you did, you know, talk to, you like got a therapist and things like that. Now, is that the therapist that you see currently still? No, it's not. Um, I saw, uh, or saw, I did better help over the phone with, uh, uh, a therapist for like a year and a half, maybe then my timelines are a little fuzzy, but it was an ex- yeah. extended period of time and it, it really helped. And that. Again, it. I didn't realize at the time that what we were doing was just unpacking, uh, just a wealth of anxiety that I was yeah. experiencing. Because, because really, when I, you know, when you, what I was doing in all of those scenarios where I'm like delaying bad news, delaying telling people no, putting off things, it really was because like, oh, I'm afraid and I'm nervous of of what's going to happen if you know, and you're your mind plays out all of these scenarios uh, and, and mm-hmm. you, you don't even realize that you're doing it. So. Right. Uh, um, right. And it, it helped tremendously, but even then I didn't realize that that was what we were doing, uh, which seems silly. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it always like works, works it out where you, at the end you kind of realize that that's what it is. But yeah. when you're talking about it, you're like, Oh no, I'm just worried. You know, Mm-hmm. about like the outcome or I'm worried about what they're going to think of me or I'm worried that like they I don't know like if yeah if I do hurt them then what will happen and if I don't go what will happen and things like that but um I so did you get diagnosed with like generalized anxiety or what did you get diagnosed with anything or was it just like talk therapy it was just talk therapy I've never actually had a diagnosis mm-hmm. of anything I mean I it would not surprise me and frankly, I, <laughs> I feel strongly that I probably have generalized anxiety disorder, you know? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But I've never actually had a diagnosis uh, about it, which is, is fine by me, you know? I'm not, I'm not seeking to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think a lot of times, too, people don't get diagnosed just because they don't go to a psychiatrist because they're not medicated. For sure. And the only reason why you get... It's weird. I think a lot of our healthcare system revolves around insurance. So the only reason why you would need to be diagnosed is so that you can get the medication For covered sure. by insurance. So like, yeah. I but but do you want to go into like what your seasonal depression looks like because I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> oh, um I mean generally uh it would just in years past, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but in years past it would be just kind of a you know, you're just blah, and you're you're not uh, as productive in the winter months, and you know what's going on, um, and you are uh, just sad, and it's gray, and you're tired, and et cetera, et cetera. And then, um, ever since the pandemic, I, I, it's it seems to have uh, in- increased in severity, and and you know maybe that's uh, because you know each winter there seems to be an uptick in covid cases and a new variant but, yeah uh but also just the i don't know the lack of sunlight uh i was talking about um uh after christmas i i i, I was on the west coast visiting family and then i came back to new york in just the first two weeks of this year i truly i felt it um almost physically which was different mm. different for me i felt more tired um I couldn't get anything done. Uh, uh, definitely uh, increased feelings of like despair. And yeah. Um, yeah, it was really, 
rough, and the only two things that truly helped were therapy and also uh, I've gotten into a good good workout regimen, which is huge. Um, it's so important. Like, I, I always used to, like, <laughs> like, deny that working out helped uh-huh. because I didn't want to do it because I, like, did sports my whole life, and so, like, finally when I quit, like, college sports, I was like, oh, I just want to, like, chill. Yeah. But... I have really, really, like, my main thing is OCD, so, like, which is basically just anxiety, you know, but it obsesses, whatever, and I think that, like, I know when I don't work out. Like, if I have, like, a week where I don't even work out for, like, a couple days, I'm, like, completely different. Yeah. And I think that that's super important. Also, it just gives your day a purpose, like, a structure and routine, and, um, Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a really big component to it. Um, do you like? Can you go into maybe like has stand up like helped your anxiety at all or depression or made it worse or? Um. Wow, very good question, and <laughs> I'm the only reason I'm struggling to answer is it because it because it's a it's a yes and a no in in so many ways. Yeah. Um, I think that the the act itself generally helps uh although i am a big believer in um you know people who say well stand up is my therapy it's like okay well why don't you try therapy and uh, (laughs) yeah um because it's not you know if you've actually experienced good helpful therapy you're like oh it's not the same at all um yeah well you're not i mean it's literally like making fun of yourself for 15 minutes on stage versus talking to somebody sure. about like your childhood, you yeah. know, it's yeah. completely different. Yeah. And it can be therapeutic. It can be cathartic. Uh, and, um, and yeah, it's always, it always improves my mental health. If I manage to talk about something that like bothers me or something that I am anxious or mm-hmm. stressed about, that's like wonderful. Um, yeah. and then, you know, there's a, uh, there's elements of it that, I don't really think have to do with actually stand up itself, but the, the, the competitive nature of it, um, uh, stand up combined with social media can be such a mind fuck because we, I think as a, Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Everybody has a tendency to look at the people around them and then, uh, you don't even know you're doing it, but you're saying they have this. Why don't I have this? I feel like a piece mm-hmm. of shit. That mm-hmm. is all, um, so so negative and so hurtful but that's not actually stand up itself that's just you know social media and it 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 is and I also think too like I was talking about this today actually and I know that you know obviously social media is a facade like if you I I remember people would be like oh it looks like you're doing great and I'm like I literally tried to kill myself the other year you know what I mean I was like what the fuck like does that mean you know yeah but then I was like oh this actually like it works and it's propaganda and I think too like I was talking about it in the stand-up aspect of how recently like people in Chicago would be like oh you're booked all the time and I'm like I'm not but I guess like it looks like I am sure so you know but but then I'm like oh that works because like but then it makes me feel better almost because then I go, oh, I think that about this person, but they probably feel the same way that I do. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not in like a putting somebody else down to make myself feel better, but more in like a validating relate, relatability way where I go, oh, okay. So, you know, everyone kind of has that doubt and is like putting on, you know, like the the fake stuff 
kind of on social media. Certainly. Yeah. And it's not it's not even that it's like fake. It's just like you're like, okay, I'll post about the show because it's important and I wanna not only promote the show, but show that I am around and stuff like that. And then you talk to of other Of course. Yeah, the talking to other people and the people that you think of where you're like, God, if I could only be doing as well as them. And then you speak mm-hmm. to them and, you know, if they're a frank, honest person, they're like, yeah, I'm struggling all of the time because yeah, it's uh, this is a hard thing to do and in, uh, in an extremely hard time period. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, nobody is. <laughs> the good news is no one's happy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Dude, I know. It is kind of crazy when you do think that and then you talk to them and you're like, oh, everyone hates themselves. OK, that's cool. Yeah. And it's like, I think... I think, too, um, that especially with social media, like, I, I don't I don't know if you've ever done this, but, like, I, I did read a book um, called How to Break Up with Your Phone, and it just gives you really good strategies about I how to use your phone less. I got it right here on my nightstand. Really? Oh, yeah. 100%. Dude, have you finished it? I have, uh, and I failed, but I uh, that's why it's on my <laughs> nightstand, because I am trying to do it again. <laughs> it is my goal for this year to at least implement some of that book strategies because it is super yeah. helpful well i don't know if because because i love talking to comics about this because it's like instagram i feel like is our job yes and you can't delete it like that's the thing is like you can delete it for like a day mm-hmm. but like you know when i went in your new york comic when i went to new york i messaged 200 people like off of that google doc to get so it's like if i didn't have instagram i wouldn't have flown out there yeah like i wouldn't have gotten in contact with anybody because it's like that's how everyone responds and I think that um, this is what now, I mean, it sounds so sick because we're so addicted to our phones, at least I am. But like, I think for me, sometimes what I'll do is I'll, uh, if I have like a lot to do that day, I'll delete Instagram. And then uh, once I get all my stuff done, I like have it as a reward to like redownload it because it's just so distracting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, even, th- I'm, I, I'm sorry, I'm hesitating now because i'm processing um my brother proposed to me that we try to do a social media free summer which i very oh, wow. very very much want to do because i'm like that would be good yeah and now i'm in i'm caught in this weird place <laughs> where I've, I've been like posting a lot lately to try to build up yeah. a follower and then i'm like but what if i waste all my followers and it's like what am i doing oh, i yeah. should i should embrace uh doing that just for a for a break you know i don't think i'll right I don't think I'll ever be mad about like a nice summer where I truly tried to just be on my lonesome in terms of uh, social media, you know, but, but here I am yeah. just quietly wringing my hands about it. Um, no, I know. I know. Well, it's, it, well, it's difficult because I think too, like I didn't have social media for a long time. Like I didn't have it for a couple of years, but that was before I did stand up. Okay. So I didn't like need it for anything. And I just know that stand up, like, you know, if you have a show, you're supposed to promote it because it's, like, nice to the promoters to be yeah. like, hey, I'm going to promote this to people, and, like, then they'll come, and then that... It's yeah. all, like, converts to currency, you Do know? You... And it's, like, I think... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask... Um, I... by the And, by the way, I agree with social media as currency, which is such a yeah. mindfuck. But... Um, it's, it sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and sucks. Yeah, and you're, it's currency, and it's also poison, you know? Like, imagine if our money... Oh, yeah was poison literally that's what it's like for um (laughs) but i was gonna ask do you do you have a fairly clear memory of life before social media because for me 
I was 18 and that was like one of the first things when I like got my college email address I was like oh I can sign up for Facebook that was when it was the facebook.com that's how young I was mm. when I got okay. on Facebook so I'm just wondering yeah. do you do you remember like distinctly the feeling of life pre-social media yeah I do only because but I don't like it's not vivid if that makes sense like I do because sure. it was eighth grade I was like the last person to get a Facebook everyone's like just get it just get it and I was like I don't want to do it yeah and um I did it and when I was 13 mm-hmm. but I do remember before that when I was like I had like a flip phone and I was like never on it because there was nothing to do on it I just used it for its purpose which was to call people and text people like my location you mm-hmm. know and my parents and now it's like beyond just like anything you could ever imagine when I was that age that this is what it would have turned into. Yeah, certainly. Um, and there obviously are like good aspects to it, but I do think that, yeah, I do remember a time before it, but it's not, but I mostly remember the time after it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems that's all there is anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is um, going back to your point. Yeah. It's, it's currency. And so you do the idea of taking a break from it or getting rid of it altogether. You're like, but I'll be, I'll be penniless in this new, uh, artistic, you know, techno landscape that we. Have. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and it is crazy, and it's like, it, yeah, it's, it is weird because I think, and this is something that's helped me not compare myself to be to people or like get in my head about it. I have, I go every time I like post a reel or do anything like that. I'm like, this is, I have a clear intention with it. I'm like, this is not so that other comics think I'm funny or so that, you know, other people that I always want to impress or in the back of my mind, you know, or I, the people that I, I like don't, I care what they think, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I go, oh, this, my intention is to get more followers because then when I, you know, do get like better at stand up and, go on the road again, those people will actually come to my shows and it's like a form of currency. So I think like having a clear set purpose or intention is super helpful so that I don't get in my head about like, oh, this is strictly to post to be like, I'm funny and I need everyone to think that. Yeah, it is. And and I that helped a little bit for me too. I, I talked to a, um, mm-hmm. what was it? I is We met, um, I, I get to open for uh, our friend Shane Torres. Uh, yeah. And, and and that's how we met in Milwaukee and I, I opened for him at a lot of different places and we were at another club another week and the owner was there, he was a very nice guy and um, I was having a good weekend opening for Shane and he was like, um, do, you know, do you have a late night set? And I was like, I don't and then the next question he just goes, what are your social media followings like? And I was like, pretty bad and <laughs> he, he, he laughed and he was like, listen man, I started as a comic and and I hate to be the one to tell you this, but like that is the first thing that we look at uh, these mm. days. It's just uh, it's just the name of the game now, and you just have to. Yeah. Well, do it's it. yeah, and it's and it it's also like it's hard because that is the truth, right? Like you see people like on Queer Eye, Jonathan Vanessa. Mm-hmm. who just starts comedy and then he just sells out like arenas yeah. because he's famous for something else. And it's not necessarily that like, I'm not shitting on him, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that like, if it's gonna, our society revolves around money. So like if he's going to bring in cash, then they're going to be like, yeah, absolutely. We'll have you if we're going to make 
you know, a hundred grand a night from you selling this out or whatever it is. I just think that it's, it's like really, it's completely different than, did you, how long ago? Wait, you've been doing stand-up, what, 10 years? Uh, I wish longer. Let's see. I started in 2009, so it will be 13 years in September of this year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, wow. Yeah. So then I guess, but you, was there always like Instagram? Um... Yeah, it was around, but it... Wait, was it? Yeah, it was around, like, my first year. I I remember getting on Instagram after I started comedy, though, but not long wow. after. Like, it was around, and I was like, ah, I don't want to do that, and then finally I did. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, but even the first... I don't know, however many... It didn't really start becoming a true tool in stand-up comedy until I feel like five years ago, maybe. And even then yeah. it was, you know, I remember, I remember so many comics posting like, not so many, but just a handful that would post like subtitled clips. And I remember being like, that guy is a hack. Fuck that. It fucking sucks. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here like, why didn't I do that then? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. It's so silly, but yeah, but I do I do remember, yeah, a shift because I was on it for a long time and it was just truly social in the truest sense of the word. And then it became, mm-hmm. my estimate is five to six years ago, it started becoming a tool for stand-up. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and do you, so you got into stand-up like 13 years ago. Do you, do you want to talk about like what got you into that and like, if it was like not like a tool for therapy but like if it was something that you were like oh this is gonna like help me or like I don't know maybe go into like why you started and things like that um sure I I started towards the end of college I went to the University of Cincinnati and um I just had a really good group of friends who knew that I liked it a lot. And we had gone to Go Bananas, which is my home club in Cincinnati. We had, like, gone for shows just to see comics that we had seen on, like, Last Comic Standing and stuff like that. Yeah. And then we found out that there was an open mic night. And they were like, we'll go. You should try it. You really like this. And uh, I just tried it and liked it and kind of knew pretty quickly um, that I just, cause I was like graduating and I had thought about, I, I was like, Oh, I'll go to grad school. And then I was like, well, I don't really, I'm not crazy about that. And if I really want to try this, I should. And I don't know if it was like, yeah. Oh, this is like an avenue for my, like an outlet for mental health. But I, I do know that it was like the, the first thing in my life where I was like, Oh, I am like, uh, lost in this complete, like in a good way, you know, like I, I am yeah. just zoned in like, kind of like what we were talking about before, you know, like if I do have ADD, I don't have it in regards to this, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're like, I like this, so I will I will be the opposite of that, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I can fo- um, focus on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so do you, and I don't know, because I, I think it's really interesting, because, like, I do talk to people about stand-up, but I, I feel like our conversation has drifted into that, and I would like to talk about, like, kind of, like, the lows of stand-up and what, if that like mixes in with your seasonal depression at all, or if that helps you. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. And I think it's, 
the older I get, the healthy and the healthier I get, the more um, I'm better at separating the two. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. when I was younger in comedy, I used to like let it like a bad set rule my night and my week. Yeah. You know, because the fear is that like, oh, I can't be happy with with how I just did on stage because it's not good enough and I am being very ambitious with this and I need to be better. And so I need to feel bad about what just happened. And, you know, that comes from a good place of like wanting more for yourself. But over time, I think that attitude is just corrosive uh, and it hurts. And you, (laughs) and you can, you can ride a line of like, wow, I just had a bad set and that sucks. And I am really not happy with how I did. And I will mm-hmm. learn from this and do better. But you can all, it's not, I think you need to accept that it's not going to hurt your stand up to be like, but I am still a good person. I am not a piece of shit. Right. I don't deserve to hate myself and other people mm-hmm. shouldn't hate me for the bad set. I just, you know, there's. Absolutely. Yeah. And Dude, I feel that on like a spiritual level. Yeah. Where I'm, I think when I first started, cause I, cause I'm newer to stand up too. Like I'm. It'll be, I mean, with the, with the pandemic, it's like, I took like a year off because of the pandemic, but with the pandemic, it'll be like four years in March. So like three years kind of doing stand up. And like, uh-huh. I, I think when I first started, I felt when I had a bad, a bad set that I needed to like, like for the audience, I needed to like go home and cry about it or be really upset about it or really like take it personally because it was my fault and I did everything wrong and I took, I internalized everything. Uh-huh. And I think like at, on some level, it's important to internalize something where you're like, oh no, that was bad. And I can add this here and add this there. Mm-hmm. But then it, it, what, like you said, you're, you still deserve respect and to like yourself and to, you know, move on and not like, you know, like it's just, I think you attach the, you attach yourself to the art a lot because mm-hmm. you you are the art. It's like you, you're talking, so it's really easy to get caught up in that. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I remember, I was in New York and I and I was so good about detaching the two. Like I was so good about if I had a bad set, I'd be like, you know what? And I never blame it on the crowd because I always want to get better. Sure. But I remember I had like a bad set in New York, and I instead of like going out with my friends, I like went home and was like. Oh, I'll just kill myself because then that way I don't have to finish the rest of this tour. Like it like made sense in my head. Sure. I was like, I was like, wait, so then I don't have to fly to Texas. I don't have to do the rest of the nine shows I have here. I'll just end it and then it'll be over. Yeah. And then that way I don't even have to work hard to improve my standup. Like it, like it jumps so quickly from me. And it's funny because. And I don't know if you feel this way, but I talk to a lot of comics where like the mediocre sets are almost worse than the bombing because the bombing you could be like, right. Cause you could be like, Oh, like, you know, the crowd was shitty or like I was not doing well or whatever. And you're like, Oh, whatever. But when it's mediocre, you're like, it's that much further away from bombing and it's that much further away from killing that. You're just like, it like, it makes, it rattles me. Absolutely. It, um, I think the worst set in comedy that you can have is doing like your a material that is like, not very new and exciting to you, but you're like, I know that these jokes are very good. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to do them so that I can safely say, I will have a killer set in front of these people. Mm -hmm. And then you do the safest choice to have a killer set. And it is so mediocre. And so 
not a, not only is the crowd just like oh okay but in your head you're like oh this isn't fun you know like you are both right equally having a bad time because of the choice you made <laughs> you know it's it's and and you're in the middle of one of those and you're like fuck this forever i would rather bomb with like new mm-hmm. jokes about the darkest shit than right any of what i'm right. doing right now yeah yeah i very much yeah. and so many comics i think have that sense too where it's like i'd rather bomb than do fine and yeah it's five five of those sets in a row are the ones that will make you go maybe i'll just die because it'll be easier. yeah right yeah Exa- well exactly and it's also too i think what's difficult is like as a comedian you live in a lot of extremities where it's like really high highs really low lows like you either bomb really hard or you kill and then you get that high and i think that like the mediocre ones are like where it's like i didn't really do well but i didn't really like bomb and then i think you just don't know what to do with yourself because it's not it doesn't fall into that black and white category anymore yes absolutely um yeah and i think that parallels uh I think that is, that's how I feel about living, and maybe you feel this way about Chicago as well, but like big city life is that way too. It's either the best thing in the world or it is the worst thing and I hate living in the city and I just want to move back to the, you know, like it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's paralleled in like a, in not only the lifestyle of a comic, but usually the place where you're living and, and it's hard to navigate that. uh, No, it's really hard. And I think too, like I, the first show I did in New York, um, was just like one of the best sets I've had. It was like with Mark Norman and Emma Willman. And I was like, I'm moving to New York. Like, this is so much fun. And then the second show, like literally like an hour later was at this like dive bar, just full of degenerates. And it was just like the worst, like hecklers. And I was like, oh, you just get humbled so quick. For sure. Yeah. It's, and that, (laughs) yes, in and out. That's (laughs) Yeah, and yeah. that's why uh, people, like, yeah, when you come and you visit uh, a city, like, you can always get on, like, at least one or two really hot shows, you know? And sometimes people mm-hmm. do, like, a, a full week of those, and they're like, this is incredible. And then they make mm-hmm. the move, and they're like, oh, no, it's not like yeah. this all right. of the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a vacation versus living, so it's completely different. For sure. Um. Yeah, and I... You, I wanted to ask you too. Like you go on the road too, right? Uh, yeah, more more now than I than I ever have certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how does that affect your anxiety? Um, back and forth. I I'm better about it now than I used to be because I used to have a like a full time or close to full time day job. I was like an office assistant and then mm-hmm. an office manager. And so it used to be between like a full-time day job and sets every night. And then, uh, you know, at least one weekend a month, usually two, I would try to get out of town. So you're leaving Thursday, Friday, get back Sunday. And, and it's just a lot when you're trying to mm-hmm. do all of that at once. And fortunately I got into a place where I could leave my day job uh, this summer, I think like August. And that has helped uh, exponentially. I still have, like, side gigs, and I still have to do this, that, and the other to make ends meet. But mm-hmm. having most days where I can just wake up, I can take a flight at whatever time I need to, is so much, so much better. Um, oh, my God. That sounds amazing. Yeah. But it is, um, yeah, the anxiety of getting from place to place, like, you don't realize until you're, like, doing it for a while. Like, when the excitement of, like, going out of town 
wears off, there is a level of uh, fatigue from travel that's like very real, you know, physical and psychological. Like you get to a hotel room and you're like, I do not want to go out and talk to these people tonight because I am worn down. But you just... Yeah, isn't that so ironic though? Because it's like the whole point of traveling is to do the stand-up, but you're so tired from traveling that you're like, I, I, don't, I, can't, I don't even know if I want to do this. So you just get there exhausted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, when I when I like went to New York and Texas and like, you know, done a bunch of like mini like road gigs or whatever, I just, even when I was in Milwaukee, I was like, I drove, you know, like an hour and a half or whatever, which is just super hard for me because I have narcolepsy. And so it's just like, when I got there, I was like, I had this vision that I'd get there super excited. And I mm-hmm. was just like, I want to take a nap. Yeah. And I was just so exhausted. And I, and then in New York, I mean, I was just, like, eating Adderall breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> like, yeah. It was just, like, I could not catch a break. Like, because I was working 9 to 5, and then I was interviewing for other jobs. and Oh, certainly. Um, then doing, like, two to three shows a night. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, like, one of the best trips of my life, and it was super fun. But I was, like, I don't know how people do this. Like, yeah. You because just, you it, just collapse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exhausting. And then it makes the thing that you, like, you come to do, you're just not as enthralled because Mm. it's you know you're you're really exhausted and yeah i completely forgot about your having narcolepsy is that like (laughs) i mean that must be such a uh such a hurdle in terms of like the stand-up world yeah it's hard because too for me i think it's like about because i didn't even get diagnosed till like last july like for uh july 2020 and Mm. so for me like i always was tired and things like that but i didn't realize that i was like an abnormal amount of tired um and i've always done a lot but it does affect my stand-up where like you know in the morning i'm like oh i'm so excited to do the show tonight and then i work nine to five and then i work out and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm like ready to go to bed. But then I have to like start my day at night. Yeah. And for me, it's a lot of times like chasing meds with meds where I'm like, oh, I'll like take an Adderall now because I'm going to come down from that, which almost makes like my tiredness worse. And so it's a lot of like medication and just mindset too. I think a lot of times if I tell myself I'm tired, then I almost like fall into this funk where I just act tired and obviously, like, I do have a chemical deficiency, so, like, I am actually tired. But I think that just having a different mindset about it has has really helped me. Um, For sure. But yeah. that was one of the most difficult things when I was traveling was just, like, the sleeping and because I was drinking every day, too. And I feel like that's also a huge part of comedy is, like, it's it's kind of a bar business. And yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's hard. Mm, it is a bar business. Um it's been that's something that I've been really blessed with is I've never I don't really have any alcoholic tendencies and even like mm-hmm. I mean I did I was a nightmare in college um, but <laughs> I was uh, fortunately my body just cannot uh, I can't do it like I, I just I, if I go you know regularly if I'm like having more than like two or three drinks in a night my body is just like what are you doing my sleep gets fucked up and and i lose days mm-hmm. i just can't do anything and so fortunately the decision to like largely not drink is very easy um yeah but yeah i can't uh you know well and you know doing comedy for a while you meet people where it's like how are you the way that you are how can you drink alive ever? yeah how are you alive <laughs> How are you coherent? I can't, I mean, how are you? Congratulations on being funny, but I don't know how you're standing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's what, too, when I see, like, Burt Kreischer and how he, like, parties, I'm like, I could not, like, it could not be me. I'm yeah. like, I just don't. Because I, I party and stuff, but I, mm-hmm. it, it does make it more difficult. Sure. I mean, um, that, that man's going to drop dead, you know? Like, no, <laughs> no, no disrespect, but it's just a frank appraisal, right? It's just, <laughs> it's just so much. I just, I can't, you know, and obviously, like, I think, too, like you were saying how you're like, when I quit my job, it, it helps that I can wake up and take a flight at any time of the day versus like, you know, when I'm traveling for stand-up or whatever, I have to like plan my day around nine to five. Yeah. Certainly. So it, it, yeah. So it is, it is very difficult in that way. Um, but that's good that you don't have that on top of like generalized anxiety that you don't, you know, you're not an alcoholic because a lot of comedians like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize how much I was drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. I think like I, I would just have shows like I, for a week and like you get drink tickets and I'm like, oh, I'll just drink. And then I'm like, wait, I haven't taken a day off. Yeah. And yeah, it mm-hmm. just it, it fucks. It fucks a lot of things up. Yeah. The drink, um, the drink ticket thing is huge. You don't realize until you're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm having so much. Yeah. Well, because I, well, I didn't realize it until I, I literally took like I don't talk about it that much, too, because I also like. I know I don't have a problem, but I also know that it's, I've been doing, I've been drinking a lot and like I took one night off and I woke up and I was like, wait, why do I feel like good? <laughs> and I was like, oh, because I didn't like pl- get plastered last night, you know? And it's, <laughs> I think I like finally realized like, oh, I'm supposed to wake up not feeling like I have to get two more hours of sleep to feel normal, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. But um, going back to like the therapy thing, are you're... You're in therapy now, you said, and you've mm-hmm. been in it for like a year, right? Coming up on, I think March will be a year with my current therapist. Yeah. Um, okay. I got back into it because I was, um, I have since uh, broken up with my ex, who is a great lady, uh, a great comic, but um, we we had we had cohabitated, you know, the whole pandemic, and I, amongst other things. I was dealing with a lot of anxiety, but it was starting to manifest as like anger and nothing, yeah. nothing like gross or like, or like, oh my God, uh, something's really wrong. But I just had a couple very telling moments where I was like, oh, this is not me. This is not who I am. Um, yeah. And that's what led to uh, uh, going back this time. And yeah. Um, yeah, and this is the first time I've been in therapy where it's like really, I think I've realized for myself and my therapist has also been like, yeah, you're a very anxious person. You are dealing with a wealth of anxiety that you're not, you haven't been processing. Um, and so that yeah, that helped with that initially. And then, yeah, I, I went through that breakup and it, it's made um, all the difference in the world. It is, uh, it's very helpful. Um, Do you... Do you typically not process your emotions? Is that where the anger comes from, or? Um, yeah, I think so. Or at least it, it kind of depends. I process a lot of emotions really well, but um, I, especially in a relationship, I tend to be very non-confrontational. I mean, I tend yeah. to be very non-confrontational everywhere, but yeah. uh, <laughs> within a relationship, I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to upset someone. I don't want to do this. And, you know, you mm-hmm. start to realize, okay, well, maybe you're trying to be that way. And as well-intentioned as that is, what you're doing is just burying 
all of these negative feelings and you're not processing them and so it just leads to you know a wealth of shit a lot of resentment for uh your partner but a lot of like self-hatred as well um Mm. your your baseline of anger just kind of rises gradually until you know you're you're uh getting dad level angry which is where (laughs) you know what i mean like something like you spill a glass and you're like fucking shit and banging a wall yeah 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 well that's no absolutely the the glass yeah right right 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah so um have because i used to be i used to have that when i was like i think like 16 or 17 where like i'd stub my toe and then i'd like have a mental breakdown you know what i mean because it was like all these things that i wasn't processing yes and so i just spiral and it would be they'd be like wait wait that's what caused it i'm like no you don't understand it's like a whole other array of things but like what's something have you like learned anything that's been super helpful from that in terms of like how to process things not quicker but like while they're happening versus like waiting till that breaking point uh very good question let me think um a big thing is just having the just having the courage to say if not in the moment having the courage to talk to someone about something that bothers you you know that they Mm -hmm. maybe they said or did or something that you said or did like just the courage to have a difficult conversation so you know that way um yeah, you're not, you know, if you're getting at least some sort of healthy uh, communication over conflict as opposed to no communication and, uh, you know, clogging your emotional valves or whatever. Yeah. An- another big thing that I don't know if I can figure out like a direct correlation, but I know it's made a world of difference for me is, and it's so hard to process as a comic because i think we're so cynical but but the idea of um self-compassion and uh trying to like yourself or at least be kinder to yourself um Mm -hmm. uh i I literally looking at a post-it that's on my wall right now that says look at yourself in good moments because you know as a comic you tend like like we were talking about before you have the bad set and then you're like i'm a piece of shit I suck. Mm -hmm. This is awful. I suck. And it's, and you know, my therapist at one point, we were talking about things along those lines. And she was like, well, if you're going to do that to yourself, shouldn't you at least also make an attempt to try to do that in the good moments? Shouldn't you, if you have a good set, yeah, don't just be happy, but take a second to be like, oh, I did this and this and this, and it led to this good thing. And I'm fucking proud of what I did. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's it's um, sort of counteracting. Well, do you ever, do you ever, because, like, when I would have good sets when I was in, like, a dark place, sometimes I'd be like, oh, well, they just left because, like, like, they're stupid. Like, I wouldn't even, like, allow myself to feel good sometimes if I was in a dark place. And I oh. think it's really important to, like, yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Where, like, if I did really well, I wouldn't even, allow, like, it wouldn't even feel good for me because I was like, oh, they're just stupid and they, like, like my stupid shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. I wouldn't even allow myself to feel good. Yeah, you won't But I do think it's super a... important. Yeah, I think it's really important to, like, it's a really good point to look at yourself during those moments. Because I did realize recently, too, I have this journal that has certain prompts. And it was, like, one of the prompts was, like, what made you gain confidence? Mm-hmm. And I was writing, and I was, like, oh, I didn't realize that, like, a lot of the things that are good, I, like, don't acknowledge myself to feel them. because, But 
then I was like, wait, but I did this. Like, I don't think you realize that like you've built the life for yourself and you've done everything. And I think sometimes when good things happen, I'll just automatically have that cynical view of like, oh, I had that good set because I'm stupid or, oh, I had that good set because like they, I don't know. Like I would just make up any excuse to not feel good. Yeah. Um, and I think it is important to like acknowledge that you're the only one that's been doing this. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. Yeah. And at at least you owe it to yourself for, for as much as you do the, the bad elements of your life, if not more. Right. Because if it's like, Oh, I did this and this and my life sucks because of what I did. It's like, okay, well everything good in your life is, should then also be because of what you did. You made the decisions, you led yourself here. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it makes all the difference in the world to just allow yourself that. It's fucking hard, and I am still yeah. learning how to do that. Because there is this, I think, you know, what I said before, where we're like, we, we think it's going to make us better if we are hard on ourselves for everything, yeah. uh, especially in terms of comedy. And then you really start to, without realizing it, you just cling to that process because it does get results. Mm-hmm. But then you're like years into yeah. it and you're like, I'm fucking psychotic and I hate myself. <laughs> Even when I'm doing well, I think I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. we got to unpack that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and I also think too, there's this like culture of like, if you're grinding and like, basically if you want to kill yourself, then like you're doing the right thing, you yes. know? Yeah. Of like, oh, if, if you still hate yourself after a good set and it's like, oh, he really works hard and he's hard on himself. So that's why he's good. And it's like, no, it's about balance. 100%. You know, it's about, like, finding the balance between, like, hating yourself and, like, not, like, loving yourself and being cocky, but that balance of, like, if I don't do well, you know, that's okay. And if I do well, like, allow yourself to feel that, but don't go crazy with it and be cocky about it. But it's really about finding that balance between the two. Because sometimes I think, like, there is that thing with stand-up where, like, if you do feel good after a set and people are like, oh, like, comics will just look at you weird, like... I don't know. Like, oh, he's just, like, full of himself. And it's like, no, I think it's okay to, like, be cool with who you are. But there is a culture of, like, it's cool to not like yourself. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of that... um, A lot of that is pullback from people struggling with the same thing, right? We're all sitting here hating ourselves. And, you know, you can watch a talented comic have a killer set and they just hate themselves. And if that comic then turns around and sees you do well... And sees you genuinely feeling good about how well you do. Their their knee-jerk reaction will be, fuck that guy because he has what I want. Which is not a good set. You both had a good set. It's yes, he likes yes. himself and I hate, you know. It's it's such oh, a... Oh, so uh, true. Yeah, yeah. And that's the... I hate to say it because it is... But I just have enough peers and enough like heroes that I've like gotten to meet and hang out with. And you learn after a while that like... I have friends that like have achieved my absolute wildest dreams and they Mm -hmm. are still struggling mentally and that sucks, but it, it gives you like a unique opportunity to be like, okay, so maybe if I achieve everything on this, you know, comedy wish list that I have, maybe I Mm -hmm. will still feel this way independent of that. So maybe it's a good idea to start, uh, doing the, the work of mental health process, your feelings, figure out why you feel the way you feel, figure out how to, you know, happiness isn't a light switch, but figure out a way right. that you can exist where it's a possibility and, and just being kind to yourself is is a muscle that you have trained. Yeah. No, it, and then that's, it's a 
like very well said too. And I, and I know that a lot of times, like what helps me with my anxiety is taking things for face value instead mm-hmm. of like being anxious and jumping to conclusions that aren't true. Cause that's what your anxiety wants. Oh, yeah. And so for me, like if I do have a good set or I do, you know, have something cool coming up, I'll just be like, Oh, they just booked me because of this or whatever. And then I go, no, no, no. Like, I just make things very simplistic. I'm like, logically, no, they thought I was funny. They booked me. Then you do good on the show. Somebody tells you you're funny. It's because they think you're funny. Like I just make it very simplistic so that my mind doesn't jump to like 17 different things that, that basically take away from the truth. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the truth is almost always the most simplistic thing, right? So yeah, you're likely yeah. very correct in, in saying those things, but you know, yeah, of course, of course your anxious um, mind will, yeah. yeah, just tells you lies all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I was we're gonna wrap up, but I was gonna ask you like, do you have anything coming up that you want to plug? Do I have anything coming up that I want to <laughs> plug? The Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl. I want to plug that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This Hell is yeah. not a sports podcast, but your boy is no, just I love it. riding a high. Um, hey, if it helps your anxiety, then yeah, you can plug it. My beloved Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be opening for uh, our friend Shane Torres in Richmond, Virginia next month. Oh, fuck the, yeah. Uh, I think the Sandman Comedy Club is the name of the place. And I think that's the first or second weekend in March. Second weekend in March. Yeah. Fun. So. Okay. And then where can people find you? Social media? Uh, all social media is at really Sam Evans. Uh, or really Sam Evans at gmail.com. Uh, and I have an album. It's called Sweet Baby Boy. It's available on Spotify yes. and at Tidal. Uh, and wherever you get <laughs> albums, it's out. So, yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Of this course. Was very fun. Thank you, Drew. This was very yeah. fun. Yeah, I had a good time. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, thank you so much. And mm-hmm. thank you for listening to Doing Time.